0: a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Gigi and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories, and we're continuing our series on sexual issues, and we just finished Sexual Issues for Men, and we're starting on Sexual Issues for Women. And the two we're talking about tonight will be pre Primary and Pre-Orgasmic Secondary. And it's where a woman has either never had an orgasm or can only orgasm during masturbation but isn't able to orgasm with a partner. And it can be a pretty hard issue to get over. But there are some techniques that we will discuss. And I'd like to kind of go into some of the causes. Uh, One of the big causes is living in a sex-negative culture, and especially where you have an upbringing that is very conservative or very Christian or religious, oftentimes that can give us the message not to be in tune with our sexual bodies. And overcoming that is, can be very distressful. Because I understand there's a lot of issues around religion and sex, and it can be difficult to kind of figure out what is really going on. (laughs) And I know for me, I grew up as a son of a minister, and one of the things I discovered was that in the New Testament, Jesus never said anything really against sex. The only time he ever talked about it was with a woman who was about to be stoned for committing adultery and he said "Let he who has never sinned cast the first stone. And sex was a big thing in ancient Rome during his time. I mean, bisexuality and homosexuality were all around. (laughs) In fact, they were doing orgies and He never said a word about against sexuality or sexual play. And so it's kind of in in most of the references that a lot of religions rely on come from the Old Testament. And even Jesus said, um, you know, he overturned the priest tables and said, the Old Testament is not the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so... In some ways, I kind of gave myself permission that, okay, sex isn't so bad, as a lot of religious fanatics say.
1: Any thoughts, Paul? Um, yeah. Uh, so um, so one of the things I wanted to jump in and say is, uh, is that there's a big reason that Patty Britton uh, uses the term pre-orgasmic and not a because, you know, Patty has discovered that, you know, she has coached thousands of people and that, you know, with, you know, time and training and, you know, a little patience, uh, pretty much anyone can find their way to an orgasm. Um, So it's not something to feel despair around or distress around. And, you know, a lot of times one of the things that causes it is you get in your head and you build it up that you can't do it, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, you know, if this is a problem that you experience, remember that there is a path forward to like discover you the what it takes to bring yourself to orgasm. And once you can bring yourself to orgasm, you can help teach a partner to bring you to orgasm as well.
0: And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because with sex coaching, and I firmly believe this, unlike a lot of psychology that tries to look at dysfunction and label it as something that's a disorder and give it a kind of really negative connotation, I like to take a more positive approach and Dr. Britton also kind of watches her language on not really using the dysfunctional type terms. Because that terminology can kind of lend to some of the issues. We live in a very sex-negative culture, and even the mental health fields and a lot of the fields out there are pretty clueless when it comes to human sexuality. In fact, mental health practitioners are never trained on sexuality. Even many doctors and nurses are never trained on human sexuality. And so, where do we turn to to get help when there's sexual issues? And I just wanted to kind of say that because it's really important to recognize that we are living in such a sex negative culture and how much it does influence our lives.
1: Mhm. And also like how powerful the language that you use is. A lot of times people don't think about the words that they choose and like how they relate to uh to themselves based on the language that they use even in their own head. Um and it's really really important. Um another thing I wanted to get into is you brought up like being like growing up in a regressive household and in a sex-negative household and a religious household. One of the things that uh, that can happen in those kinds of places, and it it can even happen in like a you know a liberal, open-minded household as well. But lack of privacy is another big. Reason, If, you know, when you are discovering your body and you're discovering how your body works, if you never had access to like a private space where you could masturbate on your own and feel comfortable and not afraid that someone was going to walk in at any minute, that can also lead to having issues like figuring out how to bring yourself to orgasm.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know that for me, I was fortunate because I grew up very curious Mm -hmm. and I played with my body and I discovered things before I even knew the terminology. And then when I learned the terminology, I said, oh, that can't be that can't be right. Mm -hmm. This isn't bad. This is so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I kind of grew up in a kind of rare situation where I realized, okay, this is more political than, than really a, a judgment on sexuality.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it was early on, I started discuss, really questioning and then really looking at, well, the creator made us the way we are. They gave, the creator gave us a sexual body. And it's a very complex system. And why would a creator give us a sexual body and then say it's wrong to use it? I think the other way it works. It's like, this is a gift, and I think it's wrong not to use it. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And another thing that... uh is often commonplace in regressive, uh, you know, very controlling, strict households is a a lack of education about your body and about your sexual body in general. Um, And I know that even in my family, like my parents were very liberal and they definitely talked about sex But I didn't understand a lot of it because they didn't really go into detail when they told me about it. So for the longest time, I thought sex was just when you put your genitals in another person and then just like let it sit there. You know, I didn't I didn't realize that it was, you know, it was necessary to go in and out. Um, so when I first started seeing like, you know, sex on TV and stuff like that, I was really, really confused. Um, and I also, you know, my, I didn't, I had to learn about masturbation from my brother and, and things like that. So I think that this is a, an issue that can happen in any household, but it's particularly rampant in religious
0: households. Mm hmm. And there are more than just the religious causes Mm -hmm. or conservative or repressed, repressive Mm -hmm. households that cause issues with being able to reach an orgasm. Mm -hmm. Part of it too is our mindset and often we get too into the logical side of the brain and we're got life is complex and we have Mm -hmm. things we have to get done and responsibilities and often when we allow that to be part of our sex life, it really puts a damper on it. Mm -hmm. And it's learning how to shift gears into the more intuitive side and also getting back into the body,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: really fully experiencing one's body Mm -hmm. instead of just thinking, oh, tomorrow I've got to do X, Y, and Z. And, oh, yeah, yesterday I got a call from the boss. I'm worried about Mm -hmm. that. And all that stuff can really, it's going to have good sex when all that's going on in your head. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like for sure. And, you know, one of the things that you were talking about earlier but you didn't really name, and I think it's a very big problem, is it comes from the sex negative culture that we live in but a lot of people have shame around their bodies mm-hmm. uh particularly you know if you also have self esteem issues or self worth issues that can add to it and you know if you are taught that you know it is sinful to have sex that your body is dirty and that you're bad if you touch yourself down there you're going to internalize that. And one of the things about internalized shame is you don't always realize it's at work uh, until you like really take some time to, to think about it. Um, And so I think that, you know, if you're having issues, it, it might be a good idea to, you know, really spend some time with yourself and, Try to figure out if you've wrapped shame around your your sexual body. Um, and, you know, one thing that you can do is, like, learn to celebrate your sexual body.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because it may not even be necessarily shame. It may also be just this message that a lot of women get culturally that you've got to, To be a little bit pretty. Mm -hmm. But if you're too pretty or too sensual, you're a slut. Yeah. And that can be very shaming on a whole different level Mm -hmm. where you have to walk this thin line and Mm -hmm. it's kind of open to many different forms of interpretation. And Mm -hmm. how can you walk that line? Yeah. It's like, and Mm -hmm. how can my body measure up to? some of the Hollywood mm-hmm. and mass media concept of beauty.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that lots of schools with abstinence only um like abstinence only uh programs, they like use the metaphor of like gum. If if you know you chew gum and it tastes really good, but you wouldn't want to chew gum that's already been chewed by someone else and i think that that's done a lot of damage for people because you know or like i heard a an analogy one time that you know it's like uh you know your parents get this nice brand new bicycle for you for christmas but before christmas like the the neighbor kids go and steal it out of your shed and they you know, like ride it around and, you know, to get it all dirty and scuff it all up and things like that. And that, you know, it, you know, you'll still enjoy the bike, but you, you know, you wouldn't enjoy it as much, which, you know, I I think analogies like that are really, really harmful to people. And it's a shame that, you know, so much of like the education system here in the United States relies
0: on these tired old tropes oh yeah and especially the there's the prince charming complex Mm -hmm. and the soulmate Mm -hmm. myth that oh there's one and only one that's just right for me and
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: that's such a fallacy i mean what if the one that is my soulmate was born on some remote island and the Mm-hmm. Far East. How am I ever going to meet that one? Yeah, there's so many, I, and you know that issues around that.
1: Yeah, and like it's also like uh, it leads to problems too because if you are young and you fall madly in love with someone and like have a a, a good relationship and then have a painful breakup that you don't want. You know, you feel like you've lost out on your only chance at love, and that was the one. And you know, now it's you know ruined, and you'll never be happy again. And I've seen that really affect people. And you know, parents will say like, "Oh, you weren't really in love," and I think that's really condescending to you know tell children they don't know what they're feeling that mm. what they feel couldn't possibly be the real thing i think that you know even young romance like that is love it might be different than the love you have later in your life but it it's still real and it's valid and if you're taught that there's only one person out there for you and you feel like you've lost out on your one shot Like having a happy relationship, like kids will, you know, hurt themselves over it and they'll fall into these deep depressions. I've seen it happen so, so often and it can really like ruin someone's life for years at a time to be told something like that.
0: And these are but just some examples of the messaging we get living in a sex-negative culture. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a much better way mm-hmm. to come to sex from a sex-positive mm-hmm. sense of values and attitudes. Mm-hmm. In developing those attitudes and values, it takes some deep questioning and some and also giving ourselves permission. And Mm -hmm. part of the role of a sex coach is to help you question, ask the right questions, and maybe do the searching in the right directions to really get the answers for yourself. The sex coach's role isn't to guide you on a certain path, it's to help guide you to ask the right questions so that you can get on the path that you belong on, that's right for you, not right for the sex coach. <laughs>
1: hmm And um, another, right now, um, you know, we're talking about issues that can either lead to um, pre-orgasmic primary or pre-orgasmic secondary. And I, I guess we should define what the difference between primary and secondary is Uh pre-orgasmic primary are people who have never had an orgasm and can't bring themselves to orgasm. They can't orga- orgasm with a partner and pre- Or solo. <laughs> or solo. Uh, or solo. And, uh, and pre-orgasmic secondary are women who can have an orgasm, but, it, they can't really have it with a partner or never have. Um, and the reason I, I go into that is because right now we're mostly talking about things that cause pre-orgasm um, primary. And another big thing that uh, can lead to it is unfortunately, um, you know, being sexually assaulted at a young age or just bad experience with sex at a young age and that can have long lasting uh like mental and emotional problems and one of the things that we always suggest is you know while it might be helpful it, while it it is helpful to have a sex coach you should also be in regular therapy and regular counseling, especially if you're dealing with any kind of sexual trauma that, uh, that, you know, might be at the uh, center of all of this.
0: Another area that's very related is that not only do we have memories of it in our mind, but our bodies have their own memory.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's like, if I got molested as a young child and it felt good, my body remembers how it felt good, but it was also weird and bad. And it's this weird mixed message that it's hard to really consciously come to terms with. And I think one of the things that helps is to kind of separate out the mental and the body memory and realize that when you stimulate parts of the body, no matter what the conditions, the body going to respond favorably to it. It's mm-hmm. going to get excited, even though it may be the worst situation ever the body can't tell that it's a bad situation so it's Mm going to feel pleasurable at some level Mm -hmm. even though there may be fear and all kinds of other things going on in our emotions and our mind and so it gives this weird mixed message to our whole system and that's a little difficult to kind of parcel out and figure out okay what's going on here am i And that's, I think, what's behind some of the blame the victim Mm -hmm. that occurs is that, oh, she just wanted it. Mm -hmm. She got pleasure out of it somehow. Yeah. And I did want to mention that. No, what was done to you was wrong. Mm -hmm. And even though your body did respond favorably, Mm -hmm. it's built to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was stimulated inappropriately and in the wrong ways, but Mm -hmm. it still responded because that's how the body parts respond. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a a lot of this really Uh comes down to, you know, when I started training under Gigi, one of the big uh, things I had to overcome was, being in my in being in my head and like like still being in the analytical rational part of my brain and really when you're you know having sex when you're building sexual energy whether it's by yourself or with a partner it is really good to kind of step out of the logical side of your mind and really go into the intuitive emotional and feeling side of mind and one of the things that Gigi always talks about is like really following the pleasure following you know what feels good and try to do it without um without you know going into like connections just focus on how the body feels and don't let that like monkey chatter part of your brain, like make connections to, to other things. And I think that that, you know, with a lot of this stuff, um, can, can really, really help a lot.
0: And it's without judging yourself, Mm -hmm. explore what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was first starting to explore anal sex and, when I first started exploring anal sex, I had a lot of negative messages and there's a lot of really raunchy jokes out there about anal. Mm -hmm. And it's looked at as this disgusting thing. And if I'd listened to that and allowed myself to go there, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have discovered the wonders and the beauty and the amazing places that anal sex can take you. And I think that's part of what I'm trying to say here is explore your body. See what does feel good for you without all the preconceived notions, without all the, the things we've heard or what's kind of sex negatively conditioned in us. I had to learn how to turn that off and really explore with an open mind.
1: Mm-hmm and one thing that's important to remember is everyone is a unique person everyone has things that turn them on things that you know make them tick sexually and don't really base what you think an orgasm is supposed to be or how you're supposed to to get there off of anyone else's experience explore with an open mind and be ready to follow it wherever it goes you know there you know there's a difference between fetishes and kinks like a kink is something that really turns you on that you really enjoy but there are people that have fetishes where they need a certain thing, like a certain trigger to get to that place. And they really don't find a lot of sexual release without that specific trigger. So, you know, it, it's important to explore with an open mind and, you know, listen to yourself and, you know, a lot of times, especially if you grow up in, you know kind of a conservative household or you're sheltered in some sort of way Um, you know it might be scary to realize that you like you know being degraded or you you know you like feet you know or you know and things that might seem really extreme to one person are really benign to the next and you know and there's no shame in that if if you have been sheltered and the idea of anal sex like is your idea of super taboo there's nothing wrong with that but also you know be willing to explore things with an open mind and a lot of times like Exploring by yourself as you masturbate is the best way to discover things like that because you really have to figure out what makes you tick before you can tell another person like what they they can
0: do that would help. Another thing that comes up is that men are kind of out there. It's real easy to see a penis. A man can see his own without any aids. For a woman to see her own sexual genitalia it takes a little bit more exploring with the mirror and with kind of getting the right angles it's a little more hidden
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so it's a lot of women don't even take the time or get the opportunity to fully explore their own genitals mm-hmm. in the same way that men are able to just mm-hmm. by the anatomy it's more accessible to get to the penis and the balls. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's important, one of the mm -hmm. things I highly recommend if you've never done it, is to explore your own vulva. Learn the parts. Learn how they work. And understand that about 40% of women cannot get off, have very little good experience with just penetration alone. Mm -hmm. They need a toy. The clitoris is where the real action occurs Mm -hmm. for a lot of women. And if you don't get that, if it's just penetrative sex that you're getting and you don't feel much, how would you know otherwise? Mm -hmm. And so learn about the different parts of your body and how they work and and what they do for you. Mm Because... The clitoris is amazing. It's different than the head of the penis. The head of the penis only has about, I think it's, uh, forget the number, 2,000 nerve endings, mm-hmm. where the clitoris has 10,000. And it's a much smaller <laughs> mm-hmm. area. So it's highly concentrated. So mm-hmm. it may be that direct stimulation of the clit is too much. Mm-hmm. And so learn how your body works. Some yeah. women love direct stimulation, others don't. Mm-hmm. And, it varies. <laughs> and
1: if you find direct stimulation of the clitoris to be too intense, um, you, a lot of times you can use the clitoral hood like, to act as a buffer. And a lot of times women who ha- find um, direct cl- clitoral stimulation too intense find it a lot easier to um uh, to to use the hood as a buffer and sometimes you just need to warm it up uh and maybe at first direct clitoral stimulation is too much but after you're nice and warmed up and you don't do it constantly but just a little bit here and there you know Gigi teaches people like sometimes you're supposed to treat it like a doorbell and just, you know, go over it once or twice and then, you know, go back to what you're doing. Um, So, you know, it's, it's important to learn different things about your body. I remember you saying about the, the, the thing that they did where they had uh, like a hundred people draw a picture of a penis and, a hundred people draw a picture of a vulva. And, you know, almost everyone got the parts of the penis right, but almost no one, including women, were able to draw a picture of a, uh, of a anatomically correct vulva
0: from memory. Yeah, and it's kind of sad that we have that lack of education in our culture. We should all, I think of it as a human right to have a, adequate, sexual, age-appropriate sexual education as mm-hmm. we're growing up. Mm-hmm. In fact, many ancient cultures provided that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Look at the Kama Sutra. Mm-hmm. It was a manual on not just sexuality, but our bodies, and also on etiquette. And growing up with a, in a good moral mm-hmm. way without moral judgments in the way we have today Mm -hmm. it wasn't a bunch of you should do this you should not do that there's some of that in there but for the most part it was saying you know grow up with honor respect and and be a good honorable person Mm -hmm. and that's a whole different thing than saying oh you should learn x y and z because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more saying, "Hey, this is; these are kind of the areas, and find your path mm-hmm. by really looking at not lying and not mm-hmm. stealing, yeah, but going in an honorable way through life." Mm-hmm. And I find that's kind of a beautiful approach instead of saying, "Oh, you should." Because we get a lot of that messaging, mm-hmm. oh, you should do this, you should be that. and no, follow your passions, follow mm. what's in your heart
1: so um so what are some resources that you would suggest to women to uh you know discover
0: how to please their body? I think first and foremost. Check out Betty Dobson just to learn about the vulva. and Because a lot of women think, oh, I'm misshapen. I'm not correct. And mine's broken or wrong. Or Betty Dobson even said, you know, I thought I'd stretch one of my lips out too far because one was a little bigger than the other and I used to masturbate a lot. And I thought I was damaged. No, vulvas come in many different shapes and sizes. In colors. Mm-hmm. And colors. The, and sometimes the clitoris is the the head of the clitoris. The clitoris is actually a large, mm-hmm. larger than just that little mm-hmm. part that you can see. Mm-hmm. And so learn about the entire clitoris because sometimes massaging around the outer and inner labia can stimulate parts of the clitoris especially if the head of your clitoris is too sensitive. And so learning about how your body works is all important. And oh my, this time flies by on this show. We're already just station break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would like to remind people that we do have a website. It's my sex coaching website is ggwilber.com. And check it out. Sometimes it helps to have someone kind of... When I take on a new client, I do a complete sex history to see where you've been and then ask, where do you want to go? And I follow your lead on that. And I can kind of figure out from where you've been and what you've been gone through in life, your experience. And I can... Create a roadmap to get to where you want to be. And that's what coaching is all about. It's setting, figuring out, okay, this is the history, and this is where I am right now, and this is where I want to go to. And so the biggest part of sex coaching is not taking a history or looking at the problems. It's looking at, okay, how do we reach the solutions? So check out my website. Mm -hmm. on sex coaching. I also have a lot of training films and videos to help you overcome body image issues because body image can be a big part of this. And I have a whole complex, easy to follow, but it gets into some of the complexities of body issue in a simple way. I break it down. And help teach you how to develop whole new attitudes about your body. And do you have any thoughts on the body image or some of the other training programs? Um,
1: there, there's a whole lot of different training pro- programs that we have. Um, I actually have a list of them right here. We have, um, we have programs on guided meditation... On raising erotic energy uh, we have one on the erotic body map so that you can learn how your body works and what your erogenous zones are and you know can help a uh, partner discover erogenous zones and we also have one on affirmations we have one that i would suggest to everyone is the non-genital orgasm it it really really oh it's so powerful um on anal pleasure uh we have several on bdsm whether you just want to know the basics or you're kind of experienced, or you really want the advanced stuff uh we got something for everyone we've got
0: um uh, sex positive training. Sex positive. It's very comprehensive. Yeah, uh, and it includes a lot of the other ones. Everything from body, the body map to body image healing and mm-hmm. and raising erotic energy. So mm-hmm. it's really taking a whole, transforming your life into sex positive living.
1: Mm-hmm. And then there's one on how to improve your sex drive, sex-positive lifestyle, and uh, esoteric adventures.
0: And the esoteric adventures is really a photo essay on my journeys as a sacred harlot.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So feel free to check those out. And if you get a lot out of our podcast and what we're doing here, feel free to drop by our podcast. Patreon page. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg. And there's a few uh, things on it. So if you get a lot out of what we do here and you want to support us, feel free to visit our Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, anything that you give really helps us, you know, keep the lights on and keep us bringing out the sexual education to you. And, you know, we, we do it because we love it, but it, it definitely, uh, would help to get a few more dollars coming in.
2: hmm. Be a barbecue hero with delicious ultra low net carb hero bread, buns and tortillas, soft and fluffy, high in fiber, and with zero grams of sugar, up to 10 grams of protein coming in at under 100 calories per serving. Oh, and did I mention they taste like their mouthwatering traditional versions? I mean, what's not to love? Use code AH10 for 10% off your first hero bread purchase at hero.co. That's AH10 for 10% off at hero.co.
0: So, back to our topic. We're talking about women's sexual issues, two of them. The first one is primary, um, not pre-orgasmic, where a woman is not able to have an orgasm at all. And then secondary pre-orgasmic, which is where a woman can achieve orgasm with a partner. No, I mean, by themselves, but not with a partner. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to distinguish between the two, because sometimes when you're with, it's a matter of trust with your partner, Mm -hmm. and it's developing a deeper trust.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Um, And it's also being able to be vulnerable around another person. I think That's important. So mm-hmm. up to this point, we've been largely talking about uh, you know, pre-orgasmic primary people, but uh, it's a lot more common for people to have pre-orgasmic secondary. Uh, and there's there's a few more things that can cause uh, pre-orgasmic secondary in people. And like I said, it, it's a bit more common. So like it a, f- a few things that it's not, though. It doesn't mean that you don't love your partner. It doesn't mean that you don't trust your partner. It doesn't mean that, you know, that, that there's anything wrong with your partner. And sometimes, you know, people have shame wrapped around that too about feeling bad that they can't have an orgasm with their partner. And sometimes people fake their orgasms to, you know, make their partner happy, but like, you know, inside they know that they've never had an orgasm with their partner. And while that comes from a a positive place and a good place, you're really kind of cheating yourself and your partner. Um, and, you know, a lot of times your partner knows that you're faking it, or at least, you know, suspects. at least suspects. And, you know, if, if you trust your partner, you can trust them to tell them that you have, you know, problems. They probably want to hear about your problems and want to help you figure out a solution.
0: And I, I can tell you I've had many people come up to me in Temple when I run Aphrodite's Temple and say, you know, I I, I love having sex, but when my, my partner does X, Y, and Z, it doesn't do anything. It kind of turns me off, but I, I don't want to hurt his, their feelings. And it's like, we get so stigmatized around sex and hurting each other's feelings and it takes stepping back a little bit and realizing okay instead of trying to be judgmental or placing blame someplace there i think the one place we can place a lot of the blame is on living in a sex negative culture where we never got a proper sex education mm. that's really the main culprit mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's let's put it where it belongs. Mm-hmm. I think looking at your partner and yourself, neither of you have gotten an adequate sex education, mm-hmm. and so how do you know? And mm-hmm. it's assumed in our culture, sex negative culture. Oh, you should instinctually know this stuff. Mm-hmm. No, that's a myth. You don't know instinctually,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know, like I said, everyone else is wired differently and you know a lot of times it happens that one partner has a lot more sexual experience than another and you know if your partner has only been with a few people and they all really liked you know soft, sweet docile sex uh, and that's the only sex they've ever gotten used to having and you really like very physical animalistic rough sex you know that can be a problem and a lot of it comes down to communication communication Mm -hmm. with your partner and they have to be willing to you know face they have to be willing to face certain realities and also um you know to not take things personally and you can tell them like I don't want you to take this personally, but you do this and you know, like it either turns me off or I know you're having fun, but it doesn't do much for me. Uh, You know, but you can try this instead. A lot of times having a suggestion for a way to fix a problem is a lot better than, just bringing up a problem and leaving it open-ended but if you can think of a problem and not a solution you can say you know this is a problem that i think that we have when we have sex and i'm not sure how to fix it but let's figure out a solution together that way there's something to work towards and not just this feeling of like oh i'm you know, I'm a terrible lover, I, you know, like as long as you like put it in a way where like you're going forward and you, you know, this is an opportunity to grow closer together and for both of y'all to have more fun.
0: And it really comes down to being, learning how to pleasure each other at a deeper level. And that's where I do have the tool and it, I consider it a tool, the erotic body map.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a way not just to map out your own body, but how to communicate those things with your partner, mm-hmm. and have your partner communicate how their body works with you. Mm-hmm. And it's part of it's verbal, but part of it's nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way to, sh- it's kind of like almost show and tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it kind of opens up a whole new door to focusing on pleasure, not on orgasm or technique, but how to really pleasure each other at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about the orgasms. If you're getting into the pleasure just right, the orgasms will come, I promise. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, one of the, the things that there's often like a a mismatch between you know people with vulvas and you know people like with penises like a lot of times uh you know a lot of times one partner wants to get in and start you know and they get turned on super easily and they're just ready to go and a lot of times when you have vulva it needs to be warmed up a little bit and if this is a problem that you are experiencing with your partner you know that is often the first thing that you need to look at that you know take them aside and tell them that they need to warm you up that they need to focus on foreplay you know and you know one one of the things i would suggest is you know like Schedule a time when y'all aren't going to have sex that y'all are just gonna do foreplay, but you aren't gonna have sex and or see penetrative sex. or penetrative sex and see like how worked up that both of y'all can get, and you know, and and it can really make a big difference, and it can help your partner learn how to, you know take a step back and slow down and really focus on your pleasure and focus on building the pleasure slowly through, you know, your different erogenous zones.
0: And I would like to jump in here and say that for a lot of men, they get in and off. They get aroused quickly and oftentimes get off real quickly. And by using this new technique of foreplay and really taking your time, you can have much more amazing experiences with pleasure. An orgasm only lasts a few moments, but you can pleasure each other for hours on end and build it up. And And then when you do have an orgasm, it becomes a, a super orgasm, mm-hmm. I like to call them. Because it's much deeper and richer, and mm-hmm. you can even learn how to have full body orgasms. Mm-hmm. So this not only benefits women; it benefits men too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
2: <clears throat> okay. Uh,
1: another thing I would definitely suggest if you are in the second care uh, category where. You can have orgasms by yourself, but you have problems having orgasms with a partner, whether it's a particular partner or it's any partner. One of the um, things that Gigi has me do and has other people do in Temple is to um, have uh, have a person start masturbating and then use their partner's hand to To masturbate themselves, to give them an idea of how you like to be touched and how you want to be stroked and fondled and caressed and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think another issue that comes up that's pretty related to this is that a lot of women have a lot of concerns about sounds of sex or do I look pretty enough or... Am I doing this right? And am I satisfying my partner well enough? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that critical thinking can really put a damper on sex Mm -hmm. and on your own experience. And that's, once again, that's that rational side of the brain saying, this is an equation I have to figure out. No, it's not an equation. Mm -hmm. It's quit trying to do it right. Yeah. Do what feels pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Get the whole right versus wrong judgment Mm -hmm. out of the equation. Yeah. Get rid of the equations. Mm -hmm. Just explore and find out what feels pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And then start following the pleasure.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, one, one thing is... You know, sex is sometimes, you know, funny, sometimes messy, you know, you're gonna squirt, you're gonna make weird noises, you're gonna queef. A vagina should smell like a vagina, not a flower, you know. These things are completely normal, and the more self-judgment that you have about things that are just a natural product of sex— can really get in the way of pleasure a lot of the time. And I think that you are very right that a lot of times people are so focused on making sure that their partner is having a good time that they stop focusing on their own pleasure. And sometimes both partners are doing that at the same time and neither one
0: of them is getting off properly. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to reiterate that sex is a very complex system. It just being having a penis or vulva—it's a complex set of things that had to occur when you're developing in the womb. And some of us have a little bit of both. <laughs> things don't always go the same way for everybody. And I think it's, well, I know that it's far more common than people think. One out of 500 are born with some sort of intersex condition. And so things, the building blocks are a little different. But what is really cool is that we all start out with the identical tissues. And they differentiate. We have the same stuff. It's just arranged differently. And so whatever a woman can experience sexually, a man can too. Whatever a man can experience, a woman can too. Learning the right techniques to Mm -hmm. get there and how to work with things that are arranged differently. So sex can be very complex, but it can also be simple. Mm -hmm. It can be all about really following the pleasure and seeing where it takes you not trying to have the goal of orgasm or am I getting my partner off? And I think that's another myth out there is that I give my partner an orgasm? No, I give my partner sensations. They own their own orgasm and it will occur when it's ready to occur. It's not something you can just think, oh, I want to have an orgasm. Let's orgasm now. Where's the orgasm? <laughs> mm-hmm. It doesn't happen that way. You yeah. have to follow the pleasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the orgasm will happen on its own.
1: Another thing that um can cause uh uh pre-orgasmic secondary issues is um you know, a lot of times people uh their trust in a partner gets bruised or, or broken. And it takes time to build that trust. So it might not just be the things that are happening in the bedroom. You know, a lot of stuff goes into being in the right headspace to be able to experience pleasure with a partner. So if you have issues with a partner that have hurt your trust, it's important to talk about those things and talk about the way that it makes you feel And also be ready to listen to them because ultimately, if it's a decision that you make that you want to make it work with this partner, you have to be ready to trust them again. You have to be ready to let them back in. And that can be a difficult thing. And it, you know, often takes time. But, you know, if your partner, really cares about you and really cares about your pleasure it is a process that they should be willing to undertake and you know they might have to do certain things to gain your trust back but you also have to be ready to extend that trust to them eventually
0: and sexuality is a place of becoming vulnerable with another person or vulnerable with yourself. Even in masturbation there's a degree of vulnerability that we have to put out there to really enjoy sex fully. And I think that we're not really taught well how to be vulnerable. We're supposed to build shields and walls and protect ourselves. But there are times when it's appropriate and really good to become vulnerable with another person or with ourselves and take an honest look at ourselves mm-hmm. and, and be true to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think authenticity is a really important concept. When we are authentically ourselves, we are good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, if if you're having issues around trust or, you know, just issues of poor communication, sometimes it's important to see a relationship counselor, you know. Sometimes we're not able to overcome these things by ourselves and it's okay to reach out to, you know, a trained professional to work through some of these issues and it can be very, very valuable, you know, just as, you know, I suggested earlier that it's important to have your own therapist. Sometimes the relationship needs its own therapist. Uh, and you know, one of the things that Gigi does in sex coaching is he does, you know, individual sessions, but he also does couple sessions because sometimes really takes both people working on it to overcome some of these problems
0: and there are tools but since we don't get a really good sex education we don't know what some of the good tools are and it takes a professional to be able to guide you to the right toolbox (laughs) and i think it was einstein that said if you keep doing the same Thing and expecting a different outcome, that's a form of insanity. Mm -hmm. If what you're doing ain't working, Mm -hmm. might be time to take a look at a new toolkit. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then another issue a lot of people have is the inability to let go. You know, it gets back into, you know, being stuck inside your own head and, you know, being focused on, you know, am I doing the right thing? Like, does he think, or does she think that the sounds I'm making are weird? You know, uh, like, are they, you know, I've, I've gained 10 pounds recently, or they, you know, looking at my belly, you know, you know, a lot of this stuff can really contribute to an inability to, really fully let go. And you have to let go to really have a good orgasm.
0: And I think it's helpful, too, to realize that we, are, we live in a modern world, and sometimes we lose the, the knowledge that we are truly animals, in a way. We're well-developed animals, but we still have an animal side within us, a very primal side to Mm. us. And sex often will tap into that animalistic and primal parts of our nature that we've kind of lost from living in such a modern-day world where things are so so rationally based Mm -hmm. and we lose touch with that part of ourselves. And so some of the exercises I've taken people on both in temple and with working with individuals and couples is some getting in touch with the wild side. Mm -hmm. The the call of the wild. Mm -hmm. The call of that animalistic and primal part of ourselves to bring that back up and let that energy flow. And those are You know, we've been talking a lot about, in general, about these issues. It's hard to kind of say, oh, this will fix everything. Mm -hmm. Because nothing will fix everything. It takes looking at the history and going through a process of identifying what's needed in this particular situation. Mm -hmm. It it gets complex. Mm -hmm. But... There is a, an approach to take. And one of the approaches that I love, why I love doing this, is that I know I've already transformed so many people's lives doing sex coaching and running Aphrodite Temple. And I know Paul's life changed dramatically. He, mm-hmm. he was surprised at where I was able to take him at a sexual level.
2: hmm
1: yeah. Uh another thing that uh I think is a big misunderstanding uh that a lot of people have they think that you know men have a, in general have a fear of intimacy and that that's not really an issue that women have but a lot of women also have a fear of intimacy it just manifests differently and a lot of times it comes from different places. And that can also really cause havoc in, in your sex life. Um, and, you know, I I think because this is a, a thing a lot of people don't understand, you know, they, they aren't really willing to look at that as being the cause of, you know, the problem. And a lot of times, You know, we live in a scary world. We've all gone through, you know, things that really, you know, traumatize us and hurt us. A lot of times women have had terrible experiences with men and they just, and they just close themselves off rather than, uh, rather than, uh, really. Uh, taking a, a hard look and understanding that that's what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we're already past the top of the hour. <laughs> Any last thoughts on pre-orgasmic, mm-hmm. whether primary or secondary?
1: Well, I I think that one of the things that we really focus on that can be an issue that causes both primary and secondary uh, pre-orgasmic issues is like the lack of permission to enjoy your body, to enjoy sex, to really let go and have an orgasm. And I am here and Gigi is here to give you permission. Your, your body was made for this you were made for this and you everyone deserves to have a good and healthy sex life so go out there and have great orgasms and don't feel bad about it or ashamed it is a positive beautiful thing and you are free to do it you have permission
0: and i look at Sexual pleasure is a human right from birth to death, even pre-birth. They've done ultrasounds, and both for males and female infants, they masturbate even before they're born. They pleasure themselves. And it's too bad that we can't bring some of that attitude from the womb into life Because they do it freely and without any shame or guilt. And I think that's where some of the exercises that I've come up with and some of the experiences I've gone through can help benefit and work work some of these ideas out for yourself that we've mentioned on the show. We can't give specific advice to any individual on the air, but we can give a lot of different techniques to try out. And so try some of these out, see what works for you, and learn how to live a more sex-positive lifestyle. Get in tune with your body again, and let it take you to these amazing places I think that one of the benefits is that we do release all the good chemicals in our body that help cut down on depression. They help cut down on anxiety. They're some of the best anti-depressive and anti-anxiety drugs there are, and they're free of charge. It's just following the pleasure and releasing them in your own body and There's no hangover afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) But have a good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Explore your body. Follow the pleasures. Get in tune with those carnal desires and really relish in them. Let's see where they can take you. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.